0: Now, this is Always Be Watching. It's our weekly discussion about what we've been watching. My name is Dan Barrett. I'm joined here by Chris Yates.
1: Hi, Dan. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me once again.
0: No, thanks for stopping by. Now, this entire podcast, if you're new to it, and it's possible, this is episode two. That's right. It's new to a lot of people, including me. And me. Yeah. Actually, not me. I've been with this one for a while. <laughs> However, the promise is myself and Chris, friends for 65 years at this point. Yeah,
1: about 65 yeah. years we worked out.
0: Yeah. Uh pretty much, we always talk about TV together, and we pose the questions to each other every time we catch up. What have you been watching?
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. Dan, I'm going to start by asking you that question. What have you been watching?
0: Before we get to that, though, Chris, <laughs> stop jumping the gun. Sorry. I just wanted to quickly do a bit of administrative stuff, which is saying, first of all, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm. I hope you will make this a regular podcast destination as time goes on. If you want to engage with us, we're there on the Twitter. You can find us at abwatching. Or we're on Facebook as well. There's both a group as it's called Always Be Watching Community and there's a page as well. So go and like both.
1: It's a lot of ways to get in touch and to see what we're to Indeed. talk to us.
0: There's a newsletter as well. There's a newsletter. It comes out every day, I think. Every day. But if you go to alwaysbewatching.com, you can find links to all of these and the podcast. And that podcast, you can find an Apple podcast, Spotify. And while you're there, leave reviews, helps other people find a podcast. We love a good review. Indeed. That's a lot of admin up front some podcasts do that at the back not me <laughs> yeah
1: that's it that's it get the boring stuff in there straight away to hook a bit well i like to give
0: people something to do while they listen to the that's podcast a good idea Dan. i like it i'm not yeah i'm not giving you shade Don't yeah about it all i felt was shade <laughs> but anyway chris i feel there was a question that was coming my way i'm gonna yeah i was
1: i was setting you up so i could have a little bit more time to think about it so Dan, what have you been watching
0: <laughs> you're like i'm sure i've been watching something okay, yeah, that's good, uh, so. hey no i've got some things to talk about Uh, Can I talk to you about an Australian spy drama called Secret City? What? Of course you can. I don't know anything about it. (laughs) Do you really not know this at all? No, I don't. I'm not surprised. I got a favour to ask you and I figure that it's the least you can do for me. Harriet,
1: I'm already doing the least I can do for you.
0: All right. Well, a skeleton's fallen out of your closet. 2003, Iraq. You shut down the ADF inquiry. Special forces planted drop weapons on an innocent family to make them look like insurgents. There's a surviving member, mother of a four-year-old boy, and she'd like to meet with you. So, there was a season of this show called Secret City. Uh, it aired in 2000 and, let's say, 16 on Foxtel. Uh, I want to say it was like a six-part drama series set in Canberra. Mm-hmm. Uh, stars Anatov, who people may know from Fringe. She's also on that amazingly good Netflix series, Mindhunter.
1: Oh, yes, of course. Yeah.
0: Australian actress. She went over to the US, does a fair bit of stuff there. But she was back here as the head of this um, spy intrigue show. Mm. She plays a journalist named Harriet Dunkley. Uh, she Good works, journalist name. Great journalist name. Uh, she's working for a newspaper that's kind of like the Australian. She works out of an office that's in Parliament House, because in Parliament House in Australia, there's actually a number of media organisations that have offices um, like within there
1: That's right We call them the living dead
0: Do we really? The people that work there No, I don't know I'm just kidding <laughs> They all seem fine <laughs> they're, no, they're, I'm sure they're fine people okay. Which is it's not my idea Of a good time I actually went and did an interview And, well, a number of interviews With people who work out of Parliament House as Journalists what, Did they seem depressed? Oh, they seem pretty happy Oh, that's good yeah, They're actually fairly sophisticated setups Oh, that's good Yeah, In fairly small confines Excellent But anyway Getting back to the secret city Uh, This show ran and Foxtel screened it, but it never really got much traction. Mm. Like, it just seems to have come and gone. And I thought it was a shame because I feel that one of the problems with Australian TV, just generally, is that there's no real sense of ambition and scale. We don't really do genre TV so much. No. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. And there's been a few spy dramas come out of Australia in the last few years. So you had The Code, which is probably a more high profile one. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then there was that Netflix show that came out late last year. Uh, that was set in the Northern Territory And I cannot think of the name of the program It was an Australian program It was an Australian program hmm. uh, Co-production between the ABC and Netflix The names dropped out of my head I didn't care for it though
1: You didn't care for it Someone's furiously Twittering you to t- right now to tell you what it is
0: It probably is What's the name? It's a military base in the Northern Territory It's a US-Australian uh, Joint thing Pine Gap
1: Ah yeah. And the show I'm, was
0: called Pine Gap Yeah, never heard of yeah. it The show or the military installation <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, neither Neither Okay I don't know why that's so funny I don't It's really not But um, yeah. no well, I'm not very good on my military installations in Australia
0: Probably not the question you were expecting when you it walked in It definitely wasn't that. Mm. Anyway So we've done a few of these shows Secret City kind of came and went No one really watched it hmm. But Foxtel have recommissioned it for a second run Four episodes this time And I will say One of the problems with the first run of Secret City I quite liked it But I did find that the show was a little bit flabby By one or two episodes so I like the fact that I've tightened it up somewhat. The thing is that one of the other problems that existed with Secret City was the dialogue sort of... It's a little bit on the nose. It rankles just a bit more than it probably should. Sure. And I do find that the show feels very traditional in the way that they f- set up scenes and the way the scenes are edited in that everything kind of feels very efficient and tight. Whereas I feel that a show which is an Australian spy drama, because we've got so few of these genre mm, shows... Mm. I think it'd be cool if they actually made it a little bit more cinematic. And he had a few scenes which are just there for pure cinema. So you've got, like, all these scenes in Parliament House. Why not have a cool scene with, say, Jackie Weaver, who plays one of the MPs in the show? Why not just the scene of her walking through the halls of Parliament House coming out to, like, the scene that she's about to come into, as opposed to just starting immediately as she walks across the room and starts talking to someone?
1: Yeah, this is really... That's a very interesting comment to make, and I find that happens a lot with Australian TV. I remember watching... um, Underbelly you know the very first series of Underbelly after watching um, you know the first sort of generation of those HBO shows well like
0: The Wire was something which was just getting like a bit of heat at the time absolutely they were probably about the
1: same time right and and then like you know you watch this kind of the first episode of The Wire and almost nothing happens other than this, like, investigation of this crime, you know, this the very rudimentary beginnings of the investigations of this yeah. crime stream.
0: Well, like, The Wire starts with that great scene with uh, McNulty talking to the guy about this dude. It's yeah, not yeah, yeah who that, died.
1: Yeah, that's right. So, it's, you know, it's very conversational. It's it's people, it was, you know, uh, derided as being hard to get into because of, yeah. of this sort of talky scene. But it, but it t- ended up setting the tone when it's so great. The first episode of the first series of Underbelly, like, 37 people got killed. And it sort of you know, this it, it took a it was this massive kind of just in just so much happening where it was like that was it that was it for me. I was like, I don't need to watch this anymore. Like, this is not at a pace I'm gonna enjoy.
0: But they also had like a narration which is kind of telling you everything with the know, was, there's a really ominous dialogue. It had a lot of problems. But that yeah. was the
1: main the, the first thing that really stuck out to it. And and it's something that I've noticed repeatedly afterwards so i think that's an yeah which is an interesting observation to make
0: about yeah this. it's just not cinematic like it doesn't bring you into that world yeah 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 and yeah, you can, yeah there's
1: definitely a, a room for a lot more space and that's kind of where you end up yeah you, you get drawn more into the world exactly
0: and i appreciate four episodes you've got to get through a lot of material in just four mm. episodes but also like if you take that time at the very beginning where you are setting up scenes and just establishing characters with a little bit more um, depth and air to their character yeah. It just means that you can start being efficient after that first episode and it doesn't really detract from it.
1: You can ramp it up, ramp the pace up when stuff starts happening. Yeah. yeah. Mm. yeah interesting. Anyway. That's what you're doing wrong,
0: people. <laughs> bit frustrating. And I don't want to go too much into this new Secret City series because it does have like quite a few surprises in store and it's a spy thriller. So I don't want to really just ruin much. Sure, sure. But I will say one of the cool things is I can't think of many spy dramas that begin with a explosion in Adelaide.
1: That's very true. That's a, not many movies start in Adelaide at all, really. No, you never see Adelaide anywhere. Oh, poor Adelaide. So yeah. that's fantastic. Hmm. So, There's, anyway. Um, what are they blowing up in Adelaide?
0: Is uh, that a spoiler? I'm not going to say too much more. Okay, right. yeah. fair enough. I'll but watch anyway, it. anyway, I just want to say it's probably not going to be the best series you're going to see this year, but I think it's worth supporting to see Australia do something slightly more ambitious and out of the ordinary. Absolutely. Jackie
1: Weaver's amazing.
0: And this is it. Like, the performances are all really good. Uh, Marcus Graham, who you mentioned in last week's podcast, Mm. like, he's in it as a journalist. Love Marcus Um, Graham. Yeah. Can we Uh, just
1: change this whole (laughs) podcast to be just about things starring Marcus Graham?
0: Yeah, right. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Also, there's this guy named Justin Smith, who you totally know who this guy is from all sorts of TV commercials over the years. Right. But, like, you've probably never really seen him in, like, a dramatic role. I really like him, and I get very excited anytime I see him on screen. Okay, I'm like the only Justin Smith fan out in yeah, the world. But anyway, like, yeah. he's in there.
1: I feel like Justin Smith's the guy that lent some trans- or borrowed my Transformers
0: in grade three and never gave them back. It's, well, it's- he broke one. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So that's Secret City, and you can find it in Australia on Foxtel. Fantastic. Uh, and also globally, it'll be on Netflix. Hmm. Now, Chris, what have you been watching?
1: Well, um, like many others, uh, I have been watching the Netflix show Russian Doll. <laughs>
0: Happy birthday, baby! It's laced
1: with cocaine like the Israelis do it. Mm. And Are you having fun? Uh, fun is for suckers, Max. Two minutes ago, I turned 36, and staring down the barrel of my own mortality always beats fun. Don't be morbid. This is your party, and I'm making you birthday chicken. No, I thought this was a great show. Uh, I didn't have very... I've been trying to do this thing with especially the Netflix shows where I don't, I try not to read too much into what's happening. I try not to get the premise. It was hard to avoid this one. It was talked up a lot. It was like, you know, Groundhog Day for millennials, which seems like a terrible concept, but it was enough to get me in.
0: What got me in is Natasha Leone is in this,
1: so it took me like five episodes to to click to, as to who she
0: was, and I was like, <laughs> "Oh my god!" You're one of the biggest American Pie fans I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, know I know,
1: despite that, despite the fact I've watched American Pie six thousand times, uh, no, but I did have a I did have a moment of, um, "Oh wow, right, that's her," because I I think, uh, you, you know, it's very, I think she does very, she's fantastic in this. Like I haven't seen her in much else, obviously. Uh, I. I you know, only from the 6,000 times I've seen American Pie, so I was very, you know, <laughs> wrapped up in her in that character. Uh, it was a bit hard to adjust. But no, obviously, she's fantastic. She's uh, created the show as well with some other people, I'm pretty
0: sure. Uh,
1: one of the show's creators, I think. Uh, Amy Poehler. Amy Poehler was in, involved as well, somebody
0: else. Uh, Leslie Hedlund? I want say his name is Lacey Hedlund. I thought it was a really
1: cleverly made show. I think uh, there was a lot going on that um, really... Kicked in beyond the the sort of groundhog day for millennials' premise, which obviously isn't going to take you very far um it was kind of episode two, episode three. am I going to stick with this and then the introduction of the um additional character just really pushed it over the edge and made it compelling. I felt
0: yeah, I can't think of the character's name. it's been a few weeks now, me neither. And this is the thing with Netflix shows, where I do find that they're a great experience while you're watching them, but I can never remember a lot of specifics more than a week or two afterwards. Like Tears in the Rain. Yeah, like one of my favorite shows from Netflix from the last two or three years was Mindhunter, which is a David Fincher show. A phenomenal series. I don't remember a single thing about it.
1: Do you think it's just the ferocity with which we binge them that it all washes over much quicker?
0: Look, in part, but also these shows are made to be binged that way. So, it's kind of... So, it's not our fault. It's not entirely our fault. <laughs> but, yeah, there's just nothing that's, like, episodically memorable, which I think is maybe oh, the that's issue. that's interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is interesting. And especially, you know, a lot of them, and this show did this very well, had the, um, you know, the, the the final minutes, final seconds of the episode give you the hook to get you back on so that you don't click off and you watch that next one, no. which, does ma- which does blur the line between where the episode's start and finish.
0: Now, I reckon a lot of people have already seen this, or at least a cross-up. So, just uh, maybe... What did you think of the show at the end? Like, were you happy with its resolution?
1: I very much liked the resolution. I thought that um, I wasn't... You know, you could sort of see it coming a few episodes out. Uh, And I did... I did very much like what they did with it. I felt that... um, It was a... I I actually feel like I would be happy if that was it forever and I wouldn't have the... If there wasn't going to be a season two. But I guess, obviously, there'll be a season two because it was quite successful. I imagine that's how things work in the world of business and making money.
0: It is definitely coming back for a season two. Yeah. but But I felt like
1: I'd had a nice journey with those characters and that was probably... And that could maybe be enough, which is a weird thing to say about something I enjoyed, maybe. But it also... Yeah, that's, that's how I felt. Um, Look, how did you feel about the ending?
0: I really, really liked the series as a whole. Like that Harry Nilsson song, which, you know... So good. Great song. All, uh, the, all music the music was fa- yeah. The,
1: yeah, music was fantastic across the thing. I was shazamming all over the place.
0: Yeah, and every episode had a great hook to it. I really liked the characters. Like, I was deep into the show, and I love Natasha Lyonne, uh, both for her work in American Pie as well as other projects. However, the one thing that kind of really sort of sunk the show for me a little bit is the last episode just didn't really hold together in the way that I'd wanted. Hmm. Like, I enjoyed the dramatic conceit and where it was driving for like two thirds of that final episode. But I think where it kind of lost me a bit was there's that parade that she joins at the end, which is supposed to be this amazing cathartic moment where she meets the horse character, who's a homeless guy. Hmm. And you see he's got a giant horse head thing mm. is part of like this parade that he's in and everyone's celebrating but i reached that and it's like well where's this like what's the deal with this parade like they didn't really telegraph it well enough that there was a parade taking place like yeah like, so sure, There
1: certainly what didn't seem to be a lot of uh reasons for that yeah uh, now that you mention it but i just i'd liked i liked the i enjoyed the visual aspect of it which is no, maybe it was,
0: it was great i just wish i telegraphed that a little bit more because mm. i reached the end where it's supposed to be this great moment just washing over you and it just didn't and, like, just that yeah. feeling of, like, I felt deflated while watching that, and that kind of just upset my, like, feeling as I reflect back on the show.
1: A friend of mine discussing it the other day said that they thought it was sad at the end, that um, they actually found it a bit of a sad ending, because they, they, didn't, they didn't have that shared experience of knowing each other, and they'd gone through all this stuff together, yet in their separate timelines, of course, they had to kind of reconnect and stuff, which is very... Yeah, Which is a strange, it's a strange idea It'll be, I guess it will be interesting to see where they take it next time mm. But um, it was not, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, I liked it
0: Yeah, uh, so did I, I mean, I think mm. broadly I enjoyed it It's mm. just, I guess when I try to feel about like the emotional payoff at the end It just didn't hit me in a way that I'd kind of hoped that it would Yeah, fair enough Yeah, uh, that's of course on Netflix
1: That's on Netflix, everyone knows, everyone's watched it But it's great, worth talking, worth discussing I think um, Dan, what have you been watching?
0: Look, I've been watching something which is a tough hang. Okay. Mm-hmm. I watched the Michael Jackson documentary oh series God. Leaving Neverland. Right. Have you seen this at all?
1: No, I haven't seen
0: it. Yet. But you're aware. Yes, I'm well aware. Yeah. Uh so, as people may be aware, throughout the 80s there was a pop star named Michael Jackson. Yep Uh enjoyed spending a lot of time with young children and there were allegations made that he had been sexually inappropriate with them. This documentary series, it's two parts, uh, two feature-length parts. So it's like a full four-hour mini-series. And then in the US, there's also an Oprah special afterwards where Oprah was talking to the two guys at the center of this documentary. Sure. So I've only seen the first part of this, and I plan to watch the rest because I think it's incredibly powerful TV. Everybody wanted to meet Michael or be with Michael. And then he likes you. I
1: was seven years old.
0: Michael asked, do you and the family want to come to Neverland?
1: we drive in and forget about all your problems. You were in Neverland. It was a fantasy.
0: The days were filled with magical childhood adventure experiences. Playing tag, watching movies, eating junk food, anything you could ever want. As a child, the thing with watching it is, if you look at it broadly in terms of Michael Jackson as a figure, he'd amassed massive wealth, massive power as a result of that. And so you're watching this documentary series with these two men who are now in their mid 30s, and each of them are recounting a time in their life where they were completely just starstruck mm. that this giant Hollywood celebrity would be interested in taking them into his life. And so, you understand how it is that, look, if what that's saying is true, like, you know, there's obviously, it's, uh, he said, you know, and Michael Jackson's dead now. Yeah. Um, there's been court cases before. Like, it's a little bit murky. But when you're watching the documentary series, you see both these men of whom have had very little contact together previously, both telling very similar stories with similar patterns of behavior. It's hard to walk away from it feeling that there isn't, like, a large amount of gills. Sure. Yeah. So, it's... It's rough, but what I came away from it was I was sickened by, obviously, there's the pedophilia, which, you know, obviously, everyone's not going to be, everyone's going to have a reaction against that. But what struck me is, because Michael Jackson is such a powerful guy, I look at, like, the shots of Neverland, I looked at everything in his life, I thought about the number of staff that he had, of whom were people just looking the other way. Mm. There's no way that people are seeing what he's getting up to without really having half an idea what's going on.
1: Yeah, it definitely speaks volumes of the power of celebrity.
0: Yeah. And also, I mean, obviously times are a bit different now. Like, I don't think a Michael Jackson today could get away with what happened then.
1: Well, it's interesting you say that, but we've also, obviously, we're just still at the, um, you know, we're still dealing with R. Kelly, um, which was also, you know, which has only really been brought to light because of a recent documentary series about R. Kelly. Like, people have been talking about that for years, including, you know, some pretty loud accusations that weren't being followed up, and it's taken... It took the TV series for that to happen, to so something to be done there. But um, on another level, it's kind of hard to. You know Michael Jackson wasn't just a famous person, he was literally the most famous person in the world in pop music. Like he's a true icon. He still is, you know, like you can't you can't go anywhere in the world. It's kind of like the only two musical artists you'll hear in literally every corner of the world are Michael Jackson and Bob Marley, you know, they're ubiquitous. <laughs> Those they're are the, two? They're the two everywhere. They had the two I I I reckon.
0: Do you think Madonna still holds that same level of sway?
1: No, because I think Madonna, you know, had the misfortune of continuing to live and to keep putting out records and to keep trying to do things yeah differently yeah. and better that's probably right so but you know obviously yeah there was definitely a period where they you know her and michael jackson and prince all born in the same year interestingly really 1958 yeah all shared that uh same um level of fame but for, but i mean but michael was even but then you know bigger than those towered over those two but had already been famous for 15 years had you know was famous for as a young child
0: sorry just in terms of iconic musical stars elvis presley of whom I think probably also falls into that. But his music doesn't really get played in the same way that...
1: No, no, you know, yeah. and it's... Because I think, like, pop music today is still referencing Michael Jackson, you know, like, yeah. the kind of, the R&B, all of that stuff is still massively insp- inspired yeah. by that.
0: Sorry, but, I, was, I was heading somewhere with my Elvis Presley well, sure. a few weeks ago, and I, I won't talk about this, the focus thing of what have you been watching, but I watched the Elvis Presley uh, 1968 comeback special, 69, yeah, yeah, whatever year that comeback special aired.
1: Yeah, Vegas, right?
0: Yeah, uh, no, it's like oh. in a, it's like an NBC studio. Oh right, okay. Yeah. Anyway, can I just recommend if you've never seen that before, watch it. It is so good. Oh yeah, I'll definitely watch it. Yeah, no, you'll love it. Um, um but yeah, Leaving netherland uh, Yeah, sure. Oh, uh, it's a tough watch, but you and I are both from Brisbane. Yes. Okay. One of the yes, boys, of uh, right, Wade. Yeah. Uh, he's now a man. But he grew up in Brisbane. Yeah, it's an interesting connection. Yeah, so. and you'll be surprised at how much of Brisbane features in this documentary. That's really?
1: a Brisbane landscape to take in.
0: There is footage, uh, the, uh, what's it called, Boondel Entertainment Center? Uh, oh yes. Yeah, you see a fair bit of that. There's uh, Beautiful boondall, they call <laughs> it. Beautiful boondall, which for those who don't know boondall Entertainment Centre, this is Brisbane's largest music music venue. Um, you know, a couple of thousand people probably fit into this thing. Yeah. Located in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> it is the worst thing to get to. And at the end of every concert, people, you will see them get up and leave like maybe 10, 15 minutes early just to beat the rush of people trying to get out from the concert they've all paid a few hundred dollars to go <laughs> to, yeah, yeah. just purely to avoid the car park hell. Which is like an hour and a half to try to get out of this thing. Yeah, it's a nightmare. Um, but through it, you'll see like clips from TV shows from throughout the nineties. Uh, you'll see some aggro. <laughs> Fantastic, I guess this there's, is the weird. But I was not expecting it to take this time. No, there's a clip from the Midday Show with Ray Martin.
1: Wow. Yeah, and this is because of our one of our protagonists is um, was yeah. featured on all those shows. So this Christian is a, that's
0: an interesting take
1: on how yeah big the uh, you know the the celebrity reaches so far that hit the that this kid became famous because of that right
0: oh look absolutely but yeah I mean I think it's an incredibly compelling documentary well worth watching it's a hard watch yeah but I think at the end and look I look I've got a strong constitution I can handle quite a fair bit of stuff even I was getting up and just leaving the room every like you know 30 40 minutes just to get a bit of space from it and come back
1: yeah sure mm.
0: anyway uh, if people want to check it out it's an HBO documentary. Uh, It's obviously aired in the US and HBO already. You can find it on HBO now. Uh, In Australia, you'll find it on Channel 10 uh, this coming Friday night. Uh, So, as I record this, it is March the... uh, What is the date? The 6th. So, it'll be on the 8th and 9th of March. Right. So, you'll find it on Channel 10. They don't have the Oprah special, though. Right. Yeah. And I'm not sure where it's going to be available in the UK.
1: Okay. I'm going to just completely turn the uh tone around can i help you, you out though? as soon as you ask me the crucial question there's only one question i can ask <laughs> what have you been watching uh okay this is something i've been dying to talk to you about and i haven't yet and it's it's just something I've, it's, it's a it's a weird thing i feel like there's just so much television now that you know i don't i don't think i know, i don't even know if i know anyone who's watched this show with the same level of passion that i had but okay. um i watched the this is quite the build up <laughs> and and you're gonna be so disappointed i watched the last but i think it was like four episodes of the unbreakable kimmy schmidt oh um which i have just i cannot cannot explain how much i've enjoyed watching that show i think the um level of the the the, the puns the puns are just incredible the um the the three uh the three characters the three storylines have just been very very (laughs) very funny very intertwined I don't even really know how to talk about it I love what's happened at the end um so I think you know part of this I think part of the show has been we had we had a very interesting period for Tina Fey where she became uh, you know where she was considered very much a feminist role model she was considered very forward thinking progressive. She did some, um, you know, we 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 went through the horror of the Hillary Clinton uh, campaign, Hillary versus Bernie. We all lived through that. We had to watch many people, you know, make s- sort of interesting decisions about what they how they would present themselves and how they would represent that side of it. Tita Fay got, you know, she was practically she was the devil for a while there. That's not the that's not what I want to say. She was lampooned and lambasted for, you know, her position on that and some of the jokes she made on Saturday Night Live, returning as a guest to comment about it. She became, uh, you know, she was she was sort of strung out. She was hung out a little bit over uh, defending Tracy uh, Morgan during, you know, his... Was that his name? Yeah. yeah. His actual name? I always get it wrong. Uh,
0: Tracy Jordan on 30 Rock. Tr-
1: Tracy Jordan on 30 Rock. She did, Tracy think, Morgan in real life. In real life when he did, uh, I think he was... I think he said homophobic stuff. And I can't even remember now. Whatever, what his um, outrage was for ten minutes there briefly. Uh, and I feel like the way that she's presented this last sort of season of the, the Kimmy Schmidt, because I'm pretty sure she's still heavily involved as a writer. Otherwise, I'm just making stuff up. But um, yeah, I mean, she wasn't
0: writing. She's still there, like producing. She's still guiding so, it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. So um, it, it turned into this very interesting um, kind of. The the main crux of Kimmy's um, quest, I guess, as you would say, is was to uh, deal with toxic masculinity that had um, seen her initially uh, trapped in a well by a... <laughs> she, she's dealing with the toxic masculinity that had seen her initially trapped down in the bunker with the other three women, the start of the whole show. Like, it, it's, it's interesting to... It's such a one-note show at the beginning to think that where are they going to take this you know how's this sort of tragic thing going to really sustain a comedy for so long but i just i, feel, I really feel like they did it in an amazing way um the the, the way they tied the characters at the end was incredibly satisfying in a very old school sitcom kind of way um, the jokes got funnier and funnier i've written a couple of jokes down just because <laughs> i had to do it when not not so much the jokes but one of the one of the premises one of the premises towards the end was that um uh, Titus imagines a, a, a different version of history Where he did go and see the movie Sliding Doors <laughs> <laughs> Instead of not seeing the movie Sliding Doors And how that d- decision changed his life um, And then there was another Where, where we're dealing with the um, Kimmy trying to deal with a very A men's rights, a men's rights activist basically at the end uh, And she's suspicious about his uh, apparent changing And she asked the question Can, can Is it possible for people to change? Um, in the movie Ghostbusters, Slimer was a bad guy, but then in the TV sh- in the TV show cartoon, he was just one of the gang. So maybe it is, which I just thought a reference to the Ghostbusters cartoon show was very very good. Um, that's the kind of level of it. It's not. It, it it has these big themes behind it, but the the level of jokes are very dumb, very very funny.
0: Here's the thing. I would sort of lost interest in the show, and part of my lack of interest was everyone on Twitter just talking about what an amazing program it was. Right, see, I'm... Nothing (laughs) nothing kills my interest more than everyone telling me how amazing something is. This is another
1: problem with Twitter.
0: Mm, It's just that echo chamber. It's the echo chamber, yes.
1: I'm glad to be out of it. Yeah. But so, you know, without that, I I really felt like I kind of didn't... uh, Yeah, I didn't feel like it was getting hyped or anything. I felt like a lot of people had really lost interest in it, but um, I guess I'm... uh, I guess it gives me some um, satisfaction knowing that more people were... That, that it was well-received at the end. Because I felt like it was... Yeah, it was fantastic anyway. Yeah. I'm going
0: to get back to it. Get
1: back to it. watch Even if you just sort of jump in at the end to see the end. Because it's rare that I think a show kind of wraps itself up in a night. Well, you just don't see the end of shows planned out and wrapped up very well.
0: Yeah. That, very often. That's Lighting Doors joke. I think it's probably gonna not that.
1: I mean, that was one... There is literally... It's loaded with those kind of jokes. But that was one that just killed me and there's not many things that i like actually laugh out loud about everyone says that you know but it's true and i would just find myself in absolute yes fit on that show yeah. so anyway yes and i think so that's on netflix uh it's the oh, there's like four seasons or something i think it's and they that. recently it was like the last four episodes went up there so
0: okay very good uh chris <laughs> Uh us to the end oh is that have we done or we've done it both i think we've done it all
1: How long was that? I feel like I might have talked too long.
0: No, 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 just the right amount of time. Excellent. But let's wrap things up quickly. We do have a question that we like asking people every week. Uh, Last week's episode, we asked people what their favorite show of 2019's been so far. Uh, I've got a couple of things here from the always be watching community. Yeah. Uh, Steve Malkinson He's cited True Detective Season 3 I've only watched The first episode so far But I'm very much On board for it
1: Oh really I didn't watch um, True Detective Season 2 Is that a problem?
0: Uh, you'll be right Oh good Yeah A uh, lot of support For Russian Doll People really dug that So oh, good. People include Craig HB uh, Trevor Lodlow You know Trevor Oh good old Trevor yeah. Good to uh, hear from you Trev Natalie Richards Lachlan Hibbert-Wells Warlock A whole bunch of people Excellent Big fans of her uh, Andrew Hassan is a huge fan of Tyson's and Umbrella Academy.
1: Oh, I watched a little bit of Umbrella Academy. Yeah, I will definitely watch more of
0: that. Uh, what he really liked about it was that there were different takes on comic book series.
1: Yeah, I'd say I'm not familiar with the comic book at all, which you'll be shocked yeah. to hear. But yeah, it seems good.
0: <laughs> uh, Umbrella academy is definitely a bit more of a hipster comic. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, it's, it seems. Good. Yeah, no, I think you'd dig that. Uh, Sex Education was mentioned by Matt Bailey. And he said that he cited that one mostly because he hasn't seen Russian Doll yet. Uh, I think he's heard the hype. But if you haven't seen Sex Education, that's well worth a look. Oh, uh, yes. No way. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of interesting. I was reading an article, which I had in the Always Be Watching newsletter, maybe about two weeks ago. And it was talking about the fact that you've got all these, like, in the last couple of years, like, YA fiction has become a big thing. Mm. But it's only been with the recent sort of rise of Netflix shows focused on the teen market that you're finding issues to do with uh, teen sexuality and teens' masturbation habits. Yes, right. Okay, because YA novels, despite the fact that you've got these teenage protagonists, they just never go into this as a subject matter. But these Netflix shows are, and so they're actually these really sexually progressive shows. Well, even, like,
1: the the Big Mouth cartoon...
0: Well, that was one of the ones being cited. Yeah, yeah. Like,
1: that's a very frank and interesting and hilarious yeah. take on puberty. And I wish I had seen that when I was going through <laughs> the horror.
0: Yeah, uh, Pen15 is another good one. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, another one suggested was Mary Kills People, and that was Abby Thomas. Uh, now, this is the show, it's Canadian. It's about a woman who, much like I was talking about assisted suicide as part uh, of Paddleton, yes, right. if you remember talking about that last week's podcast... Uh, this is about a woman in Canada of whom is a licensed doctor, but she's also on the side doing some assisted suicides. Hmm. Illegal in Canada, but she's, you know, helping people in need.
1: Is it legal anywhere?
0: Uh, I think there's a few scattered places around. Yeah, but I, there's different variations on how sure, involved yeah, other people yeah. can be. And it's, yeah, it, it's difficult.
1: I know you're not an expert on the laws <laughs> of every country in the world. I...
0: Oh, look, I suddenly try. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, people are really citing the same shows over and over here. Russian Doll... Sex education Great A few big mouths Uh, Star Trek Discovery's got a bit of enthusiasm Very
1: big fan of Star Trek Discovery
0: Uh, Dan Miller's mentioned The Orville Which caught my attention As I also host an Orville podcast For Australian TV broadcaster SBS
1: Absolutely you do How's that going?
0: Uh, It's going pretty well That's good People are listening They're laughing along That's good Yeah How about the show? Look, I went into the Orville not being a very big fan at all of the show. Right. But once I actually really started understanding what the show was doing, I really came around on it. I've
1: watched a few episodes that were mm. very, that, that I, yeah, that I was not expecting to sit through the whole thing. So, I've you know, one of those things I flicked, is it on Vice Land?
0: Yeah, so it's SBS Vice Land, Friday nights at 9pm.
1: Which I'll sometimes flick onto, very rarely, <laughs> um, if I'm on the broadcast thing. But yeah, I've, I have watched a few episodes right through that were very, f- in, you know, very funny takes on... A, yeah, maybe, maybe very funny, modern takes on classic next generation Star Trek era. Am I close? That's pretty much
0: spot on. Yeah, great. Yeah, it's from that 90s Star Trek. Yeah. So it's a loving homage. Yeah, great. Yeah. So anyway, uh, next week, we're going to get people answering a different question. Oh, cool. Which is, we've talked about what TV shows they've been watching, but I'm curious about like what movies people are looking forward to mm. this year. So there's a couple on the horizon for this year that I'm very psyched about. So we're going to throw that question out. So if you've got a movie you've been enjoying, send us an email uh, so hit me up at dan at com, and we'll yeah read it out on the next podcast.
1: I look forward to hearing about that because I watch about four movies a year, so I'll be able to pick which ones I should pay attention to this year.
0: <laughs> exactly. Anyway, this has been Always Be Watching. My name's Dan.
1: My name's Chris. Thanks heaps for having me, Dan.
0: Indeed. Uh, people can find us on the web at alwaysbewatching.com. Thank you very much for listening. And if you like the podcast, leave reviews. Helps other people find us. Adios. <laughs> Bye-bye.